Hello, I'm Tom Moan, and today I'm beginning an old and yet continuing adventure. In 1968, my family and I returned to Tulsa, where I became the general manager of KORUFM and Oral Roberts, radio announcer. At that time, from 1968 until March of 71, I had a daily program entitled Good Morning Brother Pilgrim. And now after 50 years, I'm resurrecting it with a new title, Good Morning Fellow Pilgrim. And a pilgrim is a person who's on a journey, and in this case, a journey of the kingdom of God on earth as Jesus prayed. So I hope you'll join me as we look into the past, the present, and the future. This is the Good Morning Fellow Pilgrim podcast with Tom Moan for January 13th, 2020. Once again, good morning, fellow pilgrims. What a delight it is to be with you in this new year of 2020. We invite the Holy Spirit to to come and to fill us to overflowing. We ask that he'll breathe upon the written word and make it live within us. We pray also that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This you spoke of the Spirit, Jesus, in John 7. The Spirit hadn't been given then, but it's been given now, so we're without excuse. Your Holy Spirit can come and dwell within us, and it can become a deep well like the one you promised the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. So as I pray this morning, Father, I ask that you'll write your word upon our heart. Father God, I I'm so grateful for the privilege of speaking to brothers and sisters all over the world through this podcast, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to be the holy, godly editor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I want to talk about a subject that's, I think, familiar, whether we realize it or not. I want to uh, recall in the Sermon on the Mount in the I believe it's the last verse of the fifth chapter. Jesus says this, John uh, Matthew five forty eight. You there must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I can remember reading that many many years ago, especially after Barbara and I had been born again, and so loving that the uh, Sermon on the Mount and reading it, and we'd come to that verse and. Here Jesus wants us to be perfect, and if there's anything Barbara and I realize is, boy, there's no way we can do that. So what does he mean by that? And it is about that same time, and I've mentioned this on a couple of other occasions, that we were introduced to the works of E. Stanley Jones and his comments about the Sermon on the Mount. And one of those comments just really spoke to us. He said, remember that the Sermon on the Mount is not a prescription of what you should be able to go and do, but rather a description of the resurrection life within you and what it is able to do. Well, that changed everything as we viewed the Sermon on the Mount, which, my goodness, if it was uh, viewed as a new law, we were lost. It was harder than all of the Ten Commandments could ever be. But the Holy Spirit came and began to work in Barbara and I, and we began to realize, you know, what some of these words meant about sanctification and 
growing up in God and how he wants us to yield to him. And as we yield to him, there is perfection and there is clarity in our life. And all of the Christian life is a growth. I'm going to talk about a couple of things. I want to just bring your remembrance to in uh, Jesus after he is baptized by John in the water. He comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Remember, like a dove. And his Father in heaven says, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is led by that Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And uh, after 40 days of fasting and prayer, he's hungry and the temptations begin at every level of human temptation. The book of Hebrews would later record that Jesus was tempted at every place that you and I are tempted, yet without sin. And one of the things we need to learn is that temptation is not sin. Temptation comes to us all, and it's important for us to realize that. We're going to be talking a little bit about, in the book of Romans, that chapter where he talks about that old nature within us and the law of God. I'm going to read from several different versions, and the reason I do that is, I hope, growing more and more obvious I don't know of any particular version that always has it right. And I want to underscore something I've said over the last year of doing podcasts. Language is alive. In other words, language has life to it. But words change and meanings change. For instance, the word tavern in the uh, uh, 150, 200 years ago had a totally different meaning than the word would have today. Our dear Catholic brethren, remember, for generations had the Douay version of the Bible, which was in Latin. And they said, we don't need to change that because Latin's a dead language. And because it's dead, the meanings of the words don't change. But for the rest of us, and then they finally did change. Remember, they came out with two two or three new editions. The point simply being that language grows and it, it changes in its meaning. So when I read from one version, I like to read from another version because there may be just a little angle or a little insight in another version that will say, oh, and deep inside your spirit will say, thank you for that. Thank you. I didn't see that in the other version I read, but as you read from that one, I began to see. So I'm going to talk a little bit about temptation. And uh, I want to begin, I'm going to be reading out of the Message Bible to begin with, and uh, I want to read first of all from the fifth chapter in the 12th to the 14th verse before I get into the seventh chapter, which is the one that I want to talk, which is between the law of God and grace and that old nature, that sin nature within us. In uh, verse 12 in the message, Eugene Peterson translates this, You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God and everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death 
this huge abyss separating us from God dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin puts crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. That's from the message. And I just so enjoy that. I love the rendering and his use of language. In the seventh chapter of the book of Romans, we are presented with the problem and it's the law of God. And I want to read, I'm going to read from a couple of different versions, but I want to read first of all from the New American Standard, Romans chapter 7. I'm going to begin in verse 4 of Romans 7. Brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, but I would not have known anything about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. And I was once alive apart from it, apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin taking opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death 
through that which is good, that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. I'm going to read on, and I'm going to continue this in the next podcast also, but I also want to bring something else to your memory from the book of Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I just think it's important to read these verses. For the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to begin in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. One of the biggest problems that it's addressed in this seventh chapter of leading and walking by the Spirit in the Christian life is temptation. So often, a temptation will present itself to us either in a thought or a memory or something that we visually see or we hear. And we'll say, oh my goodness, I heard or I saw or that came to mind. I must have committed a sin. And the enemy is saying, yes, 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 that's exactly right. That that thought even came shows you're a sinner. But remember, Jesus was tempted at every point that you and I were tempted, yet without sin. So we realize that temptations come to us all. You will be tempted. I will be tempted. But Jesus Christ has provided victory through his resurrection and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And that victory, Paul the Apostle speaks of in this seventh chapter. I'm going to get into that much more deeply next podcast. But I want to make very clear as we close out this particular podcast, this truth. Temptation will come to you. I guarantee it. The scripture promises it. And the Holy Spirit will be there to say, did you hear that? And you'll say, yes. You'll say, that's not you. That's the old man, the old nature. And we're going to get into that in much more depth in our next podcast. But I'd like to close in this kind of prayer and ask you to join me. Heavenly Father, as we read in the book of Romans and Paul's discussion of the law, which is holy and righteous and good, all it did was reveal what was in him, but the law couldn't save him. And that's why we read in the Old Testament all of the, all of the uh, things that God provided, waiting for the day that someone would come to do away with our sinfulness. Father God, I'm so grateful that in Jesus Christ, we have a way through the temptations that will come to every one of us, a victory in Jesus Christ. And I invite your Holy Spirit that my brothers and sisters who are listening to me now might be ahead of me and read the final verses of Romans 7 into Romans 8 between now and our time together. Holy Spirit, so breathe upon this section that they'll be freed from condemnation that has harassed brothers and sisters for decades, probably centuries. We are free in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. 
This podcast is available for free download in iTunes and at moanministriesbookstore.com. Sarah Rahm's album, Days of Rain, is available on iTunes and most streaming platforms.